Good morning, everyone. It is the 26th of May, and I'm joined today by Nathan Sweeney and Asim Kadri. Nathan, if we could start with you. It was very much a risk on week, and yet we saw rising trade tensions, the old US-China tensions there. Any thoughts on what's been happening over there? Yeah, so definitely a risk on week last week. We had the S&P was up over 3%. Quite a good week for value or cyclical companies, good week for small cap companies. If we look at individual sectors, so industrials was one of the best performing sectors, followed by energy. And, you know, a lot of this is around, I suppose, more euphoria about the easing of lockdown measures. And, you know, we had some data out last week, which was a lot better than expected. So in the US, you had composite services and manufacturing PMI, all beating expectations and also all ahead of the April readings. So those May readings came in quite strong levels relative to expectations. You know, so we did have trade tensions and there seems to be trade tensions are rising, but a lot of times that these tensions are coming into markets, we have investment commentators saying, you know, a lot of this is linked to election rhetoric in the US. And I think that's possibly why the market isn't focusing on it as much this time around. So this is straightforward sabre rattling as we saw last week. How does that look over in Asia, in China in particular, Asim? So in terms of trade tensions, you know, what we've really seen over the past few weeks in particular is that the areas of tension have broadened to a number of areas, such as technology, politics, and also capital markets. So what we've seen is that the potential delisting of Chinese ADRs from the US equity market and also potential restrictions on U.S. purchases of Chinese equities. So a couple of weeks ago, for example, President Trump sent a letter to the government's main pension fund to tell them not to invest in index funds that hold Chinese equities, which is potentially the first step in the conflict spreading to the financial sector. You know, fundamentally, this re-escalation of tensions is being driven by the U.S. continually blaming China for the global spread of coronavirus. And on the back of that, we've seen numerous pieces of confrontational rhetoric from the U.S. towards China. So this year, the market, as we touched upon, has been more focused on the risk related to COVID-19. So a lot of the risks related to trade do seem to be less priced into Chinese equity markets. And as we head towards the U.S. presidential election in November, uh, U.S.-China relations and um, the impact on markets will come into focus. And we could see that rhetoric ramping up. The back end of last week saw the beginning of the National People's Congress in China. We ought to mention that there has been an abandonment of growth targets in the world's second biggest economy. Yep. So for the first time ever, it was announced that China wouldn't set a GDP target for 2020. And that was really owing to the significant uncertainty from the pandemic and the impact of weaker global growth and international trade rather than domestic conditions. However, it's important to note that it's not as if China are completely ignoring economic growth. They've still set targets to support employment, and they've also set other social economic targets, and that evidently will rely on stable growth support. Really, it's more the fact they think that putting a number on that growth figure is currently impossible, given all of the prevailing uncertainty. In terms of markets, we initially saw markets sell off on Friday following the announcements. And generally, there is a fear that not setting a growth target will weaken market confidence in further policy support to support growth. Yes, and we'll see further developments from the National People's Congress this week. Anything else on the agenda for this week, Nathan? Yeah, so just looking at the week ahead, you know, so I think the market is firmly going to focus on the easing of lockdown measures. You know, anytime we get further easing, it generally spurs the market on. And, you know, one of the largest cities to remain in lockdown is obviously New York. And if we look at the 
number of cases coming out in New York, they're definitely on the decline. And the death rate has actually fallen below 100 for about five days in a row. So again, that will be seen as a very positive move. And we're likely to see some kind of announcement with regard to easing of restrictions in New York City, which I think will be received positively by markets. Trade tensions are going to remain a key focus for markets. But once lockdown measures you know, have eased to a full extent, it'll give the market more time to focus on those. Possibly mixed signals there, but thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you, Lorna.